With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tonight is the night. This is what we have built, been building up uh, to all these weeks of, of built, working on the birth of Jesus. Tonight we are going to go into um, some of the background of Mary having the baby and what all is going to take place. Um, you know, I like to do a little brief roundup from last week, but we're, it's going to be very, very brief because we got to finish John the Baptist this week and then go right into the birth of Jesus because there's so much going on. I want to make sure we get it all. So let's have a word of prayer and get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be here tonight, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus, God, because had he not been born, he would not have been able to die and been raised on the third day for our sins with all power. And we know right now he is sitting at the right hand with you, uh, Father God. We are just so grateful, God, to be here tonight. We're grateful for the opportunity that we're being allotted to be able to teach and study your word. You know, a lot of people can't do this in some countries. I've been just reading, God, the, the people that have been getting persecuted for just trying to study your word and follow you, God. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. As we study your word, please give us wisdom, clarity, knowledge, and understanding. And we thank you for this food that we are about. Eve, in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get started. Jesus is the reason for the season, all right? So where we left off last week, we were talking about um, the angel. Not only did he come to Zacharias, Zacharias had a little bit of doubt in his spirit, and him being a priest, knowing the word and teaching the word better than anybody else, he had a little bit of doubt in his spirit. And the angel of the Lord told him, is there anything uh, too hard for God? Shame on you. He said, so since you doubted what I said, you're going to be not able to hear and not able to speak until the appointed time. Basically what he meant was until uh, Elizabeth had that baby, uh, you're not going to be able to speak. Why? Because you doubted what I said. And basically it was a revealed revelation word of God, okay? So because he doubted that, um, he was rendered unable to speak and unable to hear. All right, so now six months uh, later was where we left off when in Luke chapter 1, verse same angel, Angel Gabriel, came to Mary and made a birth announcement with her. But Mary asked, but how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. So she's not asking out of doubt. She's asking out of, how can this be? Um, um, remember I told you last week, the, the young ladies back then were anywhere from 13, 
14, 15, 16 to get married. Um, that, that, that's the age that they were, were getting married. And, you know, uh, as far as she knew, you had to um, be with a man uh, to get pregnant. So she was just asking out of a young mind, not out of doubt, just out of a young mind. And she was like, well, how's that? Can that be? And the angel said, you know, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is going to come over you. So the thing is, uh, let's get right into the scripture. Uh, verse 26, we're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, I just want you all to know that I'm, tonight I'm reading out of the life application, okay, the uh, New Living Translation, so the NLT. Um, I'm not reading out of the King, King James, but now we can go, um, we can go back and forth in, in and out of the King James because if some of you guys have King James, I can go through um, the King James Version, I just have to open up my big, big letter Bible. Because sometimes the glare from the light gets into my eyes, and I need bigger, um, bigger letters. All right, so let's, let's look at the King James Version as well. So we're in Luke chapter 1. 26. All right, so I'm reading out of the King James. All right, so um, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be, because she's never had a visit from an angel before. So she wasn't really fearful. She just was wondering, like, what's going on? with Why is he here? Okay, remember, she's a young girl. She's thinking with a young girl's mind. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. All right, verse 30, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. So here's another birth announcement with a son, and this is what you're going to call him, okay? This is what you're going to call him, Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give him unto him, shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Remember, we read that already uh, in uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter 7. Uh, we read that whole thing. There was a lot of verses that we read in Samuel. That's why I gave you the scripture so you can go back and read it since Second Samuel. Okay, so basically um, he's repeating the same thing that was said in, in Samuel, okay? Now, 
she says in verse 34, then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I not, I know not a man. So she's not asking in a doubt. She's asking, how is this going to happen? Because I ain't, I ain't been with a man. All right? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing with, with, which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So this is leaving no doubt. Joseph is not going to be the father, okay? It says the Holy Ghost, that's the third person in the Trinity, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest, talking about God, shall overshadow thee, okay? So that leaves no doubt what's about to happen. And no, Joseph is not the father. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age, and this is in the sixth month with her, whom was called barren. Why? Verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. You can find that again in Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, and in Zechariah uh, chapter 8, verse 6. Okay? And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now, listen, did she ask for proof? No. Did she worry about what people was going to say about her and if they were going to talk about her and make fun of her? Because now she's espoused to somebody else. So let me give you a little bit of background. Basically, a betrothal lasted between three and 12 months. Normally, the parents sat down and agreed that their children married, meaning the, the, the children, the, the, the man and the wife usually never had a say-so. Basically, the, the, the parents sat down and said, you know what, my son is going to marry your daughter, end of subject. And they said, okay. So the first thing they did, the two families agreed to the union. The woman normally did not have a say, okay? Then a public announcement was made, okay? So at this point, the couple became engaged or espoused, okay? Sexual relations were not permitted, okay? And this could only be broken through death or divorce. All right, the man went and prepared a home for the wife, then returned for her. I want to say that one more time, ladies. The couple became engaged. Sexual relations were not permitted, only be broken through death or divorce. The man went and prepared a home for the wife. She didn't move him in with her. He went and prepared a home for the wife. Then he went and got her. The third was the ceremony or the um, consummation. Basically, they slept together, okay? And then that's when they begin living together. Okay, so that's a a a, uh, a betrothal. But just remember, remember back them days, women did not have a lot of options. You either got married, or and you had you popped out kids, or unmarried pregnant women were unheard of back in 
this day, back in, in the Bible day, unmarried pregnant women were almost unheard of. Not saying that it did not happen because, yes, it did, but it was almost unheard of. Father of the child did not marry the woman, okay, or the, her own father would not take her back. She could be stoned probably never married because she already had had a baby by somebody else and most men wouldn't, you know, you know, touch her, okay, or be forced to live on the street as a beggar or a prostitute. Um, one of the prime examples I like is the story of Ruth. What a lot of people forget um, to remember is Ruth was married before Boaz. Okay, there was no way that Naomi could be the her mother-in-law if she had not been married before. Okay, so Naomi had two sons, and both of them died. And Ruth uh, and the other daughter-in-law, okay, because um, uh, Naomi was where they were in Moab. So when she was headed on back to you know her home, Ruth went with her, and the other daughter stayed. Okay, now. Ruth was what's called a widow, okay? So her husband uh, had died, okay? So Boaz was technically the second husband. Now, I know that's going I know that just going to blow some of y'all's minds and everybody just uh uh just goes, "What? Wait a minute. I thought Ruth was waiting on Boaz." Technically, she wasn't waiting on him because she had already been married before, okay? So she had a husband, all right? But in this case, she was free to marry again. Basically, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. He redeemed the property that the family had sold or leased out, however they did it, before they went to Moab. Well, when they came back, the only people that came back were the women. All the men, Naomi's husband, and both the sons died, okay? So all that was left to redeem the property were the women, okay? Well, Naomi felt herself too old to get married. So guess who had to go and redeem the the property? Ruth. So when Boaz chose to redeem her, he had to not only choose to redeem the property, but he had to also choose to redeem her, which means to buy back. Okay, that's what redeemed means. It means to buy back. All right, so the next time you hear somebody tell the story about Ruth was waiting on Boaz, just turn up your nose like I do. Sometimes I just put my head down and start praying because apparently they didn't read the whole story. All right, that was my soapbox for tonight. But anyway. Unmarried pregnant women was unheard of back then. If the father of the child did not marry the woman or her father would not take her back, she could be stoned. Probably never marry again unless somebody redeemed her, okay, or be forced to live on the street as a beggar um, or a prostitute, okay? So a lot of times... uh, once a woman got, you know, married and, and you know, the husband, you know, died, that was usually the end of it unless somebody in the family wanted to redeem her, okay? So it was a sad um, thing for the women back then, okay? But look at what Mary said. 
okay? And Mary said, basically what she said is, she said, whatever. He said, for nothing, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary said, okay, fine. Knowing what could, what could essentially happen. All right, Caduceus, K-I-D-D-U-S-H-I-N, or a betrothal. It means sanctification, period. Okay, separate. The wife prepared for the groom. The groom prepared for the wife. All right? In spouse or engagement, a betrothal was as binding as marriage. Deuteronomy chapter 24, if you want to look that up, okay? Husband and wife did not live together during the betrothal period. If the, if the uh, woman betrothed became pregnant, it was considered adultery punishable by death. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 through 21. So even though Mary said, um, be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. This is the Lord himself. This is God himself telling me that I'm going to carry the uh, the Messiah. So surely he's going to take care of me. She did not worry about it. Now, you know if that would have been one of us, we'd have been like, now, hold on, God. Hold on, angel. Hold up now, because I could be stoned. Really, that's what she was looking at. She was looking at punishable by death. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 through 21. Basically, the man pretty much picked the woman. The family said, okay, well, our son and your daughter, this is how, it was a lot of arranged marriages back then. The woman had pretty much no say so. Now, in the case of um, Rachel and and, and, and um, uh, uh, Jacob, uh, now they were in love, but you know they got tricked. So he had to <laughs> he had to take the sister first, and then work another seven to get her. So uh, thing is, uh, the uh, marriages back then were arranged. So imagine the the talk, the wagging tongues of the people. Hey, ain't she inspired to marry that guy named Joseph? And all of a sudden she's pregnant. Well, they ain't even had the, the ceremony. She's still a virgin, or she's supposed to be a virgin. How that happened? So you got all these wagging tongues going around. So after the angel departed in verse 39, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a, into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. So she went to the hill country. This is after she got the um, announcement from Gabriel. She went to visit Elizabeth, her her relative, because the angel Gabriel told her, "Listen, your kin, your kin, um, Elizabeth, in her old age is going to have a baby. Well, this is that baby that's about to come and prepare the way for your son. Okay, he didn't say all of that, but this is what's about to go down. So Mary arose and ran to go see Elizabeth. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse forty one." And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard 
the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So remember, the angel told Zacharias that the baby was going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. So when Mary knocked on the door, somebody answered the door, Elizabeth heard Mary's voice. The baby leaped, because remember, she's six months pregnant now. The baby leaped in her womb, okay? And and Elizabeth became filled with the Holy Ghost because, remember, that baby knows that baby's filled with the Holy Ghost. Now Elizabeth knows that the mother of, of the Messiah just, excuse me, entered the house. Verse 42, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And which is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. So she is identifying her as the mother of the Messiah. All right. She said, um, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation, that's the greeting, sounded in her ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believe, for there shall be a performance, <clears throat> excuse me, of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And my Spirit had rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he had regarded low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, from which all generations shall call me blessed. I was reading um, a book a few weeks back, and, and it was talking about how some people give, you know, they go above and beyond um, uh, saluting Mary, and then some people don't give Mary her due. There has to be like a e uh like a even kill about it, okay? Yes, Mary is special because she carried our Messiah. Give her give her, you know, her due, but no, she is not bigger or greater than the Messiah. And that's where some people, you know, get off track. All right. So Yes, she is to be called blessed of all generations, all right? So now, for he that is mighty had done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation, all right? Verse 51, he hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. So basically, she is uh, prophesying, okay? That's what's going on. She is prophesying, all right? So they're having a conversation. They're going back and forth, okay? So let's drop down to 56, verse 56, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. So by the time she was about three months pregnant, that, was, um, that would put Elizabeth at nine months pregnant, all right? So by the time Elizabeth became nine months pregnant, Mary said, all right, let me head on back to Nazareth because that's where, you know, Mary lives in uh, Nazareth, okay? So she went on she went on back to Nazareth, okay? So now in the next verse, verse 57, now Elizabeth full-time came and she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. 
okay? This is one of my favorite. I just love this because this sounds like uh, one of our families. I'm just telling you, it's about to be a family argument. Now, watch. I just love this. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed her great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. Now, normally what they do is once they circumcise them, then they name them. They wait, they, they circumcise them, then they name them, okay? And they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Well, y'all, we know better because the angel already told this is the family members now. This is the kin people and the people that are around her. They named the baby Zacharias. Okay, and his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John, verse 61. And they said unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. So here's my thing. It's her baby. She can name that baby whatever she want to name that baby. And somehow Zacharias, the priest, has already um, told her or wrote it down somewhere, we're going to call this baby, the baby name is John. Because remember, the angel came to uh, Zacharias and told Zacharias what to name the baby and, and what the baby was going to be about. He had to relay that message some kind of way, probably wrote it down on something. And remember, she was filled with the Holy Spirit and the baby within her. So it could have been a dream. Listen, this is what you got to name the baby. All right? Now, the, the, the cousins and the kin people and the people around her are telling her, ah, how are you going to name that baby John? Ain't nobody in your family named John. So uh, she said right here, and they said, verse 61, unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by that name, by this name. 62, and they made signs to his father how he would have him called. So not only they through listening to the mama, because the mama ain't making no sense. She's telling them the baby's going to be named John. Okay, so then they turn to the father. Well, now, wait a minute now. She said the baby's supposed to be named John. Would you say the baby's supposed to be named Because we done called the baby Zachariah. Okay, they made signs to his father how he would have him called him. Remember, he can't hear and he cannot speak, all right? And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is John. So he wrote it out on paper because he cannot hear, he cannot speak. And then look, and they marveled all. Verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loose, and he spake and praised God. Verse 65, and fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these things, all these things were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. So now everybody is talking. Everybody's talking about, hey, you know, this old lady done gave birth. They was way past the time. He couldn't hear or speak for uh, uh, nine months. Now all of a sudden when the baby is, is born, his tongue is loose, and now he can speak. 
they come up with this this baby name John, which means uh, uh, Jehovah is gracious, or God is gracious, or Jehovah is gracious. That's what John's name means. Um, and they're all just looking, and a fear came upon them, all that dwell around them. Looky here, in verse 66, and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. All right, so after this, what happens is Zechariah is going to prophesy, and that's verses 69 all the way through uh, verse 79. Verse 80 says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was uh, in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel, okay? And that, you know, goes all the way into, starts into Matthew, all right? So, if you want to read the prophecy, it's in verses um, 69 all the way through uh, verse 79. And basically he talks about, you know, how God has blessed him with this child and what this child is going to be doing, okay? So he's giving a prophecy, all right? So let's go back to Matthew chapter 1 because I want to uh, show you what type of man Remember, these people are of the lineage and the house of David, okay? So so Mary and Joseph are of the lineage and the house of David, but they come down through two different lines. Remember I told you in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew shows Jesus' background for, through Joseph, okay? But in Luke, Luke showed Jesus' background through Mary. Remember, David had more than uh, one son named Solomon, okay? So basically what happens is um, Matthew shows Joseph lying through Solomon, and Luke shows uh, Jesus' line through, um, and Mary's line through uh, Nathan, which is David's um, other son, okay? Because David had, you know, a son named Solomon. He also had a son named Nathan, okay? And you'll find that in the genealogy when you go over to Luke, um, right, or Luke chapter, yeah, it's Luke chapter 3. All right, so now let's drop down verse 18. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, I'm reading out of the King James, was minded to put her away privately. Remember I told you, the only way this the bond is breakable is through death or divorce, all right? So basically in J Joseph's mind, he don't know what's going on. He was like, well, when I left, she was a virgin. When I came back, she was pregnant. So you know what? I ain't going to make a public example because remember, she could be stoned. If he raised thanks and made a big old public scene, Mary could be stoned 
and her and the baby could be killed. But remember I told you, when you have a, a job for the Lord to do, the Lord protects um, his people, all right? The Lord protects you, all right? So what he said was, uh, verse uh, 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So he's letting him know, no, it ain't another man. It is God himself, the Holy Ghost, is, is, is the father of that child. Verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Same as we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. The same thing the angel said to Mary. Now the angel's coming and talking to Joseph, okay? Now, the, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which mean, which be being interpreted is God with us. Okay, so Emmanuel being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, then Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. So did he question it just like Mary? No, he did not. He did not even question it. He got up, and he went, and he took unto him his wife. But look at verse 25. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So even though they were in spouse or betrothed to be married, all right, he never touched her until after she had that baby. All right? She never uh, he didn't touch her until after she had the baby, all right? So the genealogies of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, shows the legal birth through Joseph. Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38, shows the natural uh, through Mary and who her descendants are. All right. So remember, John the Baptist spent his days preparing the way uh, for the, the coming uh, of the Messiah. All right. And basically, he wholeheartedly believed in Jesus Christ, even though he never met him up until, you know, when they got grown, because there's no evidence in the scripture that says, you know, that they met before. All right. So remember, John the Baptist, first prophet called by God since Malachi. All right. Since Malachi. All right, so now let's go on in. We talked about um, Mary and Joseph live in Nazareth uh, in the uh, county of uh, the country of Israel, situated in Lower Galilee, large in the northern, northern district of Israel. Now is the Arab capital of Israel, which I found that. Um, basically, the people were rude, less cultured, influenced by Gentiles who mingled with them. They had low morals and the low religious character, all right? So now let's jump again. We're going to go back because we got to go to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to set the stage for the birth of a baby. 
All right, so I'm going back. Patience. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. All right. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius the governor of, was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient or um, ancestral home. Remember, it was the men, not the women. Mary went along for the ride, probably because she was nine months pregnant and, you know, she went. But remember, all in prophecy, so she had to go anyway, all right, whether she volunteered to go or not. But remember, she is big and nine months pregnant by this time, okay? He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Remember I told you guys last week, Mary traveled some 60 to 80 miles. She either walked it or she sat up on a horse or a donkey and rode that long, hilly country from Nazareth down to um, Bethlehem, okay? So that was a long ride, 60 to 80 miles. And it was either on, it was probably a combination of on foot and on an animal, a donkey or a um, a horse. All right. So, so this is a long way to travel, all right? So it says here he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting the child. So remember, she is big and pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, basically that swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Okay? So let's stop right there. I just want to elaborate real quick. All right. So let's start with the main guy here, Caesar Augustus. His birth name um, uh, was Octavius. All right. He was basically the um, adopted son of uh, Julius Caesar, who was assassinated. Basically what happened is um, Caesar Augustus was the um, uh uh, first Roman emperor, but the thing was, um, at that time, uh, Julius Caesar had no living relatives when he when he died. Okay, so Caesar Augustus um, took over for him because he adopted him. Okay, so Julius Caesar adopted Octavius, changed the name to Caesar Augustus. So he was the great nephew of Julius Caesar. All right. When Julius Caesar died, he had no living children, so he named Octavius heir. Just a little bit of um, information, Roman rulers were considered gods to the people because they had a lot of power and they seemed untouchable. All right. Now, um, Quirinius was the Roman governor of Syria. Some say he was a, a procurator, okay? Could have been the governor twice or a um, 
procurator on assignment, okay? So basically he just uh, uh, um, helped as far as with the um, – with rules and guidelines, okay? Basically, taxes were collected by the Providence um, in um, um, basically Syria on a Providence basis, either by local tax uh, collectors or um, by uh, tribute. Uh, basically, they just pretty much took them for their money. So the, what was going on was um, Mary was nine months pregnant, she traveled approximately 60 to 80 miles down. And look how God used a uh, Gentile uh, leader, Caesar Augustus, to call a census, okay? So I always say that God is going to accomplish his will. No matter who he got to go through to get it accomplished, God's will will always be accomplished, even if you have to use somebody unsaved to get it accomplished. So he used Caesar Augustus, the grand nephew of um, uh, Julius Caesar, okay? So basically uh, the census, Rome took the census every 14 years for both military and tax purposes. Now, Jewish people did not have to serve in the military, but they had to pay taxes, and pay taxes they did because, a lot of times the tax collectors charged them extra. They took more than what they needed to take. They pocketed the extra, and then they rendered to Caesar what was, you know, what was Caesar's. But they pocketed the extra money. That's why a lot of people was kind of upset at Jesus when he had Matthew to come and be a disciple because Matthew was a tax collector. That was his job. Now, you know, like I said, tax collectors had a bad rap back in them days because they was greedy and they was grimy. So they was taking more than what was needed and, and pocketing the extra, all right? Now, each Jewish male, city of his fathers. So remember we just read that, that, that um, Joseph had to go to the city of David, okay, which is Bethlehem. All right, Bethlehem, the city of David, Second Samuel uh, chapter 7. Verse 1 through 17, and then they had to record four things at the census. Excuse me. They had to record name, occupation, property, and family. So look at there. God used a pagan Gentile ruler to call a census to get Mary and Joseph down in Bethlehem so that Micah 5 2. If you go to Micah 5, 2, the prophet Micah had foretold that the Messiah would be born in the tiny village of Bethlehem. And what it says is, but you, Bethlehem um, of Fratha, basically, it, the, the, before it was Bethlehem, it was called Ephrathah. So there it says, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Micah 5, 2, and that's the NIV um, version, okay? So basically, Caesar Augustus orders a census taken of the entire Roman world, most, most likely for tax purposes, all right? Remember, Palestine was part of that world. 
All right, so Joseph, the earthly father of, you know, Jesus Christ, because he still was an earthly father to him, he raised, okay? Took his pregnant wife Mary to Bethlehem to register. Joseph was from the house and the line of David who had lived who had lived in Bethlehem. Remember, even though Mary's lineage came under Nathan, which was another of David's children, Mary did because women did not have a say back then, okay? So it was the men that needed to register, okay? for the military and for taxes because the men, you know, they paid taxes and they served in the military, but Jewish males did not have to serve in the military, did not have to serve, okay? All right. So, again, uh, Caesar Augustus was the basically the grand nephew and adopted son of Julius Caesar, and you can find Julius Caesar in the history books, all right? So he really did exist. All right, so did Caesar Augustus. All right, so basically he used the, the popularity of uh, um, Caesar Augustus of his great uncle's name to rally the army behind him. All right, during the time that he was um, the, the, the head fellow, um, he brought peace and prosperity to the Roman Empire. All right, now many of his providences were governed with a heavy hand, but um, in Israel, uh, the Jews were allowed to maintain their religion and culture. All right, remember I told you they had Herod sitting up there uh, calling himself the king of the Jews, um, and he pretty much was in Rome's pocket, okay? He was in uh, Rome's pocket along with the Sanhedrin, uh, excuse me, the National uh, Council, basically the Sanhedrin, and the uh, the Pharisees, I mean, there was a whole lot of them in that day that were that were ruling, and um, they were considered the the church leaders. Okay, Herod was, you know, you got Caesar Augustus, then you have Herod, then you have everybody under him. Okay, his little, I call him his crew. All right, so his crew. All right, so now let's keep going. All right. And she gave birth, firstborn son, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Okay. Swaddling clothes. That's what the uh, King James Version call it, the swaddling clothes. Basically, swaddling clothes or bands are strips of cloth, just what it says here in the um Life applications in the new the new living, basically made from linen or cotton material, usually around five to six yards long, and the width was about four to five inches wide. Um, basically, what happens is let me let me give you a little idea. They took the baby, they wet the baby down, they pulverized salt. This was done by a midwife. They pulverized the salt until it was a, a form of a fine powder. They rubbed it on the baby, and then they wrapped, they put the legs together, and they wrapped the legs, swaddling with the, um, the strips of cloth, and then they put the arms down to the side, both sides, and they wrapped it. So basically, the baby almost looked like a mummy. There was no arms flailing about, and the legs were, everything was wrapped up, okay? So... 
the the salt was pulverized by a midwife until it was the form of a fine powder. All right, now believe you believe you guys. I always wonder why. So I did a little research. Basically, um, salt. Um, it was thought that salt was incorruptible and a cleansing substitute. All right, uh, and basically they thought that it kept the baby safe from evil forces. All right, so she washed the baby in water. The baby was laid out. Salt was rubbed on the baby. Remember, it's in the biblical times. Salt could either be blessing or curses. Um, I had talked to a um, there one time in my um, Sunday school class. There was a a lady of Latin descent there, and she said they still do that sometimes to Latin babies over in her country um, because they say it keeps evil spirits away. So salt is a big deal um, in the Bible. Okay, um, they put the legs together, the arms to the side. When the babies were finished being wrapped, they looked like little mummies. Okay, um, yes, so that that really did happen, and that's what swaddling um, swaddling clothes. So some people um, say, you know, that uh, it's a hygienic, hygienic cleaning and strengthening the baby's skin. It has antiseptic qualities, wards off evil spirits. Um, salt in the Bible, you can find that in five, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 9, uh, verse 50, Luke chapter 14, verses 34, 35, also Ezekiel chapter 16, verses um, 4 and 5. All right. It says here, verse 8, we're in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds standing in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Remember, back in them days, you guys, it wasn't the cute little nativity scene that you saw. I was doing some research. Y'all know me. When I see stuff, I'd be like, well, what's a manger and what's this, what's that? Basically, back in them days, um, they carved out rocks out of caves, and they were feeding troughs for the animals. So it was rock. It wasn't the wood with the, um, you know, the way they got it all looking pretty with the little manger scene, the nativity scene. Um, no, I don't even know who came up with that, but that's way far off. Basically, it's like a dark, dingy, dirty um, place, and it's carved out of rock, like out of a cave, in a cave. Um, and it's basically a trough where animals um, feed at, okay? So it's not the little pretty nativity um, scene that we see all the time, you know, every year. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. 
And when the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Ponder is the word um is the word that the King James um, Version uses, ponder, all right? So what I like about it is who did um, the angels give the birth announcement to first? The shepherds. Wow. And I used to always wonder why uh, why the shepherds. Okay. Well, I found out the shepherds were like the low Lowly of the low. They were like the poorest of the poor. They were poor and lowly. They were unwanted, left out, pushed to the side. They smelled like sheep, okay? They slept on the ground. They didn't live in major cities. They stayed out in the fields with the sheep. Their jobs made them little or no money, okay? But looky here, Abraham, Moses, David, all shepherds. Abraham, Moses, King David, all shepherds, okay, unwanted, left out, pushed to the side, smelt like sheep, slept on the ground, did not live in major cities. Their job made them little or no money. Bethlehem shepherds lived a quiet lifestyle because they had to have raised sheep for the Passover sacrifices. Remember I told you about temple worship? They had the you know, kill the animals, and then, you know, the priest had to take it and do the sacrificing, like the incense, say the prayer. So um, coming up in the next few months, the Passover's coming, okay? So they were out there in the fields guarding the sheep and would be willing to die for them. They were humble men, humble men. Um, the image of the shepherd is the image and example of Jesus, all right? He shepherds his sheep, us, and laid down his life for his sheep, um, us, all right? He is the shepherd of his people, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ezekiel uh, chapter 40, I mean, Ezekiel chapter 34, Isaiah chapter 40. I'm just giving you some examples about Jesus. Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd, John chapter 10, all right? So shepherds were the outcasts um, in Israel, believe it or not. They were the outcasts. Their job made them ceremonially unclean, so they couldn't even go in the temple. They smelled bad. Remember, they did not bathe regularly in the biblical uh, times. They didn't interact with too many people. God identifies with the shepherds, okay? Psalms 23, Isaiah 40, Ezekiel chapter 34. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. The hills around Bethlehem were home to thousands of lambs used in temple worship. All right, daily offerings, high holy days. King David was a shepherd 
Moses was called from a field. He was out there um, shepherding, all right? So the shepherds were the first to know, but look at that, considered last in social status, hardworking, not sitting around, all right? Behold the Lamb of God. That's what uh, John chapter 1 Verse 29, the good news was for everybody, not just the Jews, all right? The Jewish word for peace is shalom, S-H-A-L-O-M. It means well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, and completeness. It has to do with more um, character than wow. So during that time, taxes were high. People were unhappy and broken in their spirit. Then God sent his son, praise his holy name, all right? So what I like about the shepherds is it says in Scripture that once they heard the birth announcement, they acted immediately. They didn't say, I'm going to get it, uh, I'm going to get, uh, let, me, let me go clean myself up, I'm going to run in town, uh-uh. As soon as the angel left and all the angels left them, they immediately started, they ran to go check it out, and then they went and told everybody what they heard and what they saw, all right? They didn't wait around, okay? They went right and done it right then and there, all right? So um, I just want to wrap up with the Magi, okay, with the Magi, all right? Now, that's in um, uh, Matthew chapter 1. Through one, or Matthew chapter two. I'm not going to read it. I want you to read it for yourself. It's Matthew chapter two, verses one through twelve. Basically, these magi, they uh, we call them the three kings. First of all, they weren't kings. They were called magi. M A G I, magi. All right. They came from the east, possibly Persia. Spoke a little Hebrew. They were skilled in astrology. God used astrology to get their attention. He met them where they were. Where they were. He didn't say, oh, you know, I believe in the stars and the moon and all that. He said, you know what, these guys studied the stars, so I'm going to use a star to get their attention. All right? Looky here. God brought in foreigners to worship the Messiah. That shows he is for everybody. They were not Jews, Okay? They were Magi. They were not Jews, all right? God chose people who would willingly follow his agenda. God had to go outside of Israel to bring in true worshipers of the Messiah at his birth, all right? Remember, the high priest at the time was under Roman payroll. Herod, the king, wanted to find Jesus and kill him. So God is showing us He is for all people, all nations, all culture. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall uh, confess. Some Jewish people are still waiting on the Messiah. They don't recognize Jesus as the true um, Messiah, all right? So there's just a lot going on. Um, The the Magi uh, arrived later. Because Herod tried to trick them, he said, go find this Jesus and come back and report to me where he's at because I want to go worship him. But if you read it in the scripture, the Lord uh, came to them in the dream and said, uh-uh, go on home because the dude ain't right. 
So then at that time, um, Herod killed all the babies two and under. Their age lets you know that some time had passed, a couple of years at least. So Herod didn't know how old that baby was, so he went all the babies two and under. And I was reading, it was about 20 babies that were killed, but one baby is still too many. Joseph took his wife and his family on into Egypt, which was about a five, you know, ten-mile truck away uh, from Bethlehem. It wasn't that far, okay? There was a lot of Jews living in Egypt um, back in those days, all right? So he was um, killed. Um, He killed all the babies, all right? So just know uh, Daniel chapter 9 Verses 24 through 27 provides a timeline of prophecy of the birth of the Messiah. All right. Uh, I want you guys to recognize the words of Christ. Um, These men, the Magi, they humbled themselves to worship him, and they obeyed God rather than man. Instead of listening to Herod, they went on home. Three gifts they gave, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is symbolic of Christ's deity, divine status of creator and supreme being. Frankincense, uh, Christ's purity. Basically, it's a resin used in incense and perfumes, uh, 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 and you can get it from a tree. It's a sweet smell to God. Remember, the priests use it in the temple twice daily, pure and holy. All right, the book of Exodus, chapter 25, describes the recipe of the frankincense. All right, now, myrrh is a whole different thing. Basically, you can ingest it by mixing it with wine. All right, they offered it to Jesus at the cross, and he said no. It has intoxicating qualities. All right, it's a resin also from a small thorny tree. It's like an oil. All right, it's a natural gum. Myrrh is basically, it's a gum. It's waxy. It becomes hard and glossy, all right? Myrrh was also used as an embalming agent, also used as a purifying agent. You'll see they used myrrh in Esther chapter 2, verse 12, all right? In conventional medicine, I'm talking about nowadays, sometimes myrrh is used as an antiseptic, mouthwashes, gargles, and toothpaste, uh, liniment, and healing salves like a painkiller, uh, analgesic for toothaches. All right? All right. So <clears throat> I just wanted to give you that. I know I ran a little bit over tonight, but I wanted to get all that in. I told you it was a lot of information. So I want you guys to remember the birth of Jesus every year. Jesus is the reason for the season. All right. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening in tonight. God bless you. God keep you. And Merry Christmas. And I love you all. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.